Well, it is December 23rd. It's Sunday, December 23rd. And I'm convinced right now that there are two types of people on this planet. There are those who have nearly finished all of their Christmas shopping. And there are those who haven't even started. Two types of people on this planet, those on December 23rd who have nearly finished it all, and those who most likely and maybe perhaps haven't even started the process yet. And if that's you, no judgment, no judgment. If I lock eyes with you right now, I'm not trying to mess with you. But I would love to ask you a question. Do you know what hope is? Do you know what hope is? Hope, as the world defines it, is the desire or pursuit of something in the future that you're not really certain you're going to acquire. Hope, as the world defines it, is the pursuit or desire or longing for something in the future that you long to have, but you're not really sure you can attain that thing. Well, for those of us who still need to purchase and wrap over the next 48 hours for Christmas, and for those of us in the room who are longing and pursuing and desiring something in the future that's a little bit maybe more serious or more personal to us, I'm so grateful that the Bible describes hope in a totally different manner. The Bible describes hope as a guaranteed certainty, a guaranteed certainty that has been promised and guaranteed by the arrival of Jesus Christ. And it ought to change everything about how we view Christmas and all the days ahead after the 25th. I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to see where this is true in God's word. So would you stand with me in honor of scripture this morning? <clears throat> and we're going to read from the New Testament. We're going to read from 1 Peter's letter to the Christian church that was scattered throughout Asia Minor. And we're going to read verses 3 through 9 together. And this is what God's word says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading that is kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he has given us living hope, the person of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray that you would honor your word in this place and in our lives. Would you speak into the hearts of the women, the men, and the children in this room that they may find maybe somebody here for the first time ever living hope as a guaranteed certainty in a way that they've never known before. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's always important to understand the context of the people who were receiving the written word of Scripture. And the people that were receiving this letter from Peter, a follower of Jesus Christ, were experiencing difficult circumstances. The people who received this letter were experiencing hardship. Some of them were literally being persecuted for their faith. Times were difficult. They needed a word of encouragement. They needed a word of hope. I don't know if anyone in the room, despite the warmth of the lights in the living room when only the tree is on, or despite the joy of the smells, the bells, and the whistles of the holiday season, maybe there is still some hardship in your life that even when you come in this room, you, you cannot turn off. You can't push to the side. If that's how you feel, that's how these people felt. And the Bible tells us in verse chapter 1, verse 1, that these people were exiles. Peter was writing to a people who were scattered from where they wanted to be. They literally were exiled, most likely for their faith. They were driven out of Jerusalem and other places. I don't know if anyone in this room can identify. You can't be this week or maybe on Christmas morning with the people and the places that you long to be. The word exile describes people that are sometimes isolated and alone. I don't know if anyone in this room, despite the festive music and Bing Crosby and all of the wonderful Christmas hits, still feels lonely and isolated in this world. If that's you, then the Bible is so relevant and applicable, especially at this time of year, because that's who Peter was writing to, followers of Jesus who felt that way, who experienced that. And if you're not, and things are awesome and great, then just hold on to where we're digging in Scripture, because I promise you, 2019, I pray, is going to be an incredible year for you, but I got a feeling this will be applicable for everyone in the room at some point in the next 12 months, if not the next few days. So one of the things Peter tells the people who were were experiencing difficulty and hardship, who felt alone and isolated, is that in the midst of this, there's hope for you. There's hope for you. Now, I mentioned that as the world defines it, hope is something that's not guaranteed. It's a desire or pursuit of something in the future. And for some of us, we long for community if we feel alone. For some of us, we long for an answer to a prayer. For some of us, we long to see some wound healed or restored in a way that we can't do on our own. And as the world defines it, that's not a certainty. But one of the things that the Bible tells us is that hope is a guaranteed certainty. And the reason hope is a guaranteed certainty is because of the promise of Jesus. His arrival, the birth of Christ, that's what we will celebrate on Tuesday morning. And also the finished work of Christ. As Ronnie and Jessica and the team led us in singing, we praise God not only for sending his son, but for all that Jesus did in making his way to the cross at Calvary that we will celebrate at Easter, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Hope is something that is guaranteed. And one of the things that I want you to see and understand from this text is that if you feel isolated, if you feel alone, if you feel like you're going through hardship and struggle, I want you to know something. Hope is the confidence. Hope is the confidence and the certainty that what you're going through, because of Jesus Christ himself, it will not destroy you and it will not define you. Hope is the confidence that because of Jesus and our faith in him, What you're going through, what you're enduring, it will not destroy you and it will not define who you are as a person. 
I want to point out two things that will show you that what you're experiencing, if you're a follower of Jesus, it will not have the last word about you or your life. It will not destroy you. I want to point out a couple of things because God, God's word feeds and nourishes us. Look at what it says in verse 4. Verse 4 tells us, we have been given new birth, verse 3, new birth into a living hope or into an inheritance. If you have a, a, a pen with you, many of you, I see you journaling when, we're, when, when I'm preaching and when I'm up here. If you want to circle this, underline it, the word new birth and inheritance. What new birth means is for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, we have been born again. And we have been given an inheritance. And an inheritance is property or a possession that passes to an heir or someone who's entitled to that thing upon the owner's death. An inheritance is something that is passed on to someone else, an heir or someone entitled to it, but only upon the owner's death. And the Bible tells us that as wonderful as Christmas is, Jesus came for the purpose of laying down his life in exchange for ours on the cross. And at the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, God has granted to us an inheritance. He's granted to us an inheritance, a literal place or residence called heaven. Heaven is a literal place where God is there, Jesus is there, and there is no hardship, there's no trials, there's no loneliness, there's no isolation, there's no baggage, there's no broken relationships. It's a literal inheritance. And I don't know if you saw this in verse 5, but this promise to us is imperishable. It's undefiled, it's unfading. Verse 5 says it's kept secured in heaven for us. Now contrast that with this world and this place, this residence. It is beautiful. I love so much about the world. I love so much about the sunsets. I love getting up early in the morning with a cup of coffee, like pour a cup of coffee, instant human in our house. I love watching the sun come up. I love watching the sun go down. I love hiking. I love walking. I like landscapes. I, I like to be outside in nature and in agriculture. I feel and sense the presence of the Lord there. There's a lot I like about this world. We are so blessed to have people in our lives, relationships. I mentioned Roger up here. There are others, as I look around the room, I could name the, the joy that you've brought to my life. Being in relationship with others is what we were created for. It's at the root of what it means to be human, to be created for a relationship. But all of us are broken or flawed to some extent. And some of our relationships, they have baggage or hardships or awkwardness, even the best of relationships. It's a beautiful world, but it's a broken world. When the Bible talks about this future inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept secure for you, contrast that with this beautiful but broken world where nothing is guaranteed to last, where nothing is guaranteed to last, even those batteries that many of you bought this week for those devices on Tuesday morning. Nothing. Energizer, Duracell, Rayovac, pick your name brand. It is not guaranteed to last. You and I know this. And we illustrate the obvious to share that the Lord tells us we have something coming that is so much better than this, as awesome as it is, this world and this life. And the Bible tells us the reason this matters is because we have something to look forward to when things are difficult. We have something to look forward to when things are confusing or challenging. One of the experiences I literally saw this play out this week is for the first time ever, in my adult life, I called home this week to ask Amy to coach and talk me through the hyperventilating of not being able to get out of a holiday parking lot. I had gone shopping. I was naive. I'll get in. I'll get out. And so, guess what? Hundreds of thousands of my closest friends had the same idea. 
I, w- I was in the depths of the, like I'm not even to the access road to get onto the main road. I am stuck in the parking lot. And I called Amy and I said, I can't get out of here. And she said, you've never called me in a parking jam. But this is like legit. I'm about to lose my religion in this parking lot. It's not good. <laughs> I know I'm the only one in the room who's ever felt that way. It was difficult. It was trying my patience. And one of the things I was looking forward to is we celebrated 16 years of marriage on Friday. And we had made reservations and we were going to go celebrate. And I'm looking at the clock and I'm looking at the clock and I'm looking at the cars. And the people who, I'm sure they love Jesus too, but aren't looking back at me. And I'm waiting for them to let me in. And and I was able to make it out of there, obviously. But like I kept looking forward to what was ahead. I just wanted to, to celebrate. I wanted to be. I wanted to break bread with Amy. I wanted to enjoy that time just catching up and celebrating 16 years of marriage and God's goodness to us. I had something to look forward to that kind of helped me maintain my sanity in the moment. And you need something to look forward to that makes sense of the hardship and the trials, that there's something better to look forward to. And hope is the reality that there's something much better to look forward to. Hope is the reality that no matter what you face, you have a literal inheritance to enjoy where there's no hardship, there's no pain, there's no suffering. And that should make a difference here and now. And oftentimes that is the only thing that comforts or calms or satisfies in a way where nothing else, no other relationship, no other accomplishment can. And one of the things Peter said is your faith in Jesus is what will sustain you in those moments where you feel that way. But not only that, no matter what you're going through, Peter tells these Christians and he tells us no matter what you're facing, you'll never face it alone. You'll never face it alone. If you're a follower of God through faith in Jesus Christ, you'll never face this thing alone. And isn't that the most terrifying thing, to think about facing hardships and trials and challenges and to be totally alone and isolated in the midst of that thing? I mean, how many of us, when we're facing a challenge, we, we, we call that helpline, we, we call that, that, that person that, that can speak wisdom and discernment into our lives, somebody that can help us process what we're hearing one of, the, one of the most beautiful things about this church is that there have been many people over the past four and a half years that have had to go to very serious doctor's appointments. Very serious doctor's appointments where you may hear something that the minute they tell you something, you can't, you can't think about anything else after that. And the reason this is a beautiful thing to me is many of you as members have said, I will go with you to that appointment. There have been women and men in this church who have said, like, I, I, I don't even know what I'm getting involved in, but I'll go sit with you in the doctor's office. I'll take a notepad so that I can record what you can't remember. I think that is one of the most beautiful pictures of the local church. Like we, we see the songs and, and we hear them and we feel them. And there are wonderful things that happen inside the four walls of a church on Sunday morning. But like to watch the hands and feet of Jesus, not the one hour on Sunday, but the other 167 say, you won't face this alone, is the literal embodiment of the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter tells the Christians. That's what he tells us. And Jesus even said, in this world, you will have many troubles. That's, that's true. That, that cannot be avoided. It's a beautiful world, but a broken world. But you won't be alone when you face these things. Now, I don't know if you saw this in verse 5. It says, you are being guarded by God's power. You are being guarded by God's power. And you should underline that if you're in a trial or hardship or you think you're about to face one. You will be. If you are in Christ, you have placed your faith in him, you will be guarded by God's power. And the thing I think of is having guards around you, right? Guards around you that will guard you, that will protect you. That says nothing's going to come to you. 
But the translation of guarded in this verse means from the inside out. It literally means a guard from within that you, you often can't see. You often can't see how you're guarded, how you're protected, but it is a guard from within. And when God comes into our life through faith in Jesus, he never leaves us or forsakes us. He's always there with you, even when that friend can't be with you to sit there physically in the doctor's office or at the coffee shop or in the dorm room or across the table from you. God sits with you in the midst of it. He guards you from within. He keeps your inheritance safe. He secures that the whole time, and he guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. He has given us a living hope. And one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. God told his people, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. I will be with you. I will be with you. Now listen to this. When you pass through the waters, and we know God's people pass through the Red Sea. They pass through difficulty. You're going to go through difficult things, but I'll be with you. That's what Christmas means. That's what Advent is all about. I love packages on Christmas morning. I apparently love singing in sermons. That just kind of came out. I don't know. But like <laughs> one of my hopes is that Ronnie will let me sing up here one day. That is not one of your hopes. It's not one of his hopes. That's hope as the world defines it. It is not a guaranteed certainty, but I hope for that. Listen, I love Christmas morning. I love it. 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 But, but we're talking about something that is not tangible, that you can't wrap, that's not under a tree, that sustains you, even when things are good. What if somebody in this room is about to experience tremendous success? You're about to be blessed in an incredible way where the Lord is going to provide you influence, financial resources, human relationships, good friends, a significant other, a fiancé, a spouse. And you want to celebrate this with someone to know that you have God with you all the time there. He's the one who's with you when the waters come around you. He's the one with you cheering there loudly from the balcony of your life when things go well for you in your estimation. That's what it means to have God with us, Emmanuel. You are mine. I will be with you. That's what Emmanuel is all about. It's the name God has given us of Jesus, God with us. Hope is the confidence that because of Christ and our faith in him, no matter what we see, no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, there is a relationship with God that will be sustained and secured in a literal place where there's no hardship. And it's joy and peace and blessing with the person of God, Jesus Christ. But it also matters now. It also matters now. It should make an impact in our lives right now in this moment. And one of the things that I, I think we, we lose sight of is that we, we often don't see how um, the, the challenges and the things we're facing like make, make sense. Like we often view them as just our, our world and our life. I mean, I don't know if I'm the only person in the room that from time to time is a little bit selfish and introspective, okay? Maybe that's just public announcement. If you feel that way, sometimes we can look inward and think that our story is the sum total of what's happening in our life. And it doesn't, the hardship and the trials don't make a lot of sense. But when you step back and see that it's part of a greater narrative, a bigger narrative, part of God's story, our lives are one part of God's story that are playing out, it starts to make a little more sense, and it starts to become this hope that we have, this living hope in Jesus, it starts to matter in our lives right here and right now. One of the things that I think some, you know, some of us, we, we struggle with is to see how it's making a difference in our lives right now. And so I, I will use a, a metaphor that, that's helpful for me. Um, oftentimes in my life, 
um, when God is teaching me something, I feel like he has laid me on an anvil. You guys know what an anvil is? Like a blacksmith who, who bends and molds and shapes metal. He, he uses an anvil to lay things on it and then beat the stew out of it until that thing takes the shape of what he wants it to be. And I think for some of us, when we're going through things, this living hope, we are so grateful there's something to look forward to that, that mentally and emotionally gets us through these difficult moments. Maybe at the Christmas table, maybe in those awkward hallway conversations with family, friends, in-laws, something else. There's something to look forward to. They're like, okay, this too shall pass. But we also want to know, like, how, how is this helping me now? And oftentimes, one of the things God does for me, and maybe this metaphor connects with you, in my life, he will teach me something by hammering it into me, or over time, multiple conversations. I'll hear a sermon and feel like, that guy's totally reading my mail. Then I'll go to my small group, maybe with Roger and the men we meet with on Thursday mornings, or some other place, and something will be said that I'm like, there it is again. The Lord is teaching me that. And it feels like it is shaping me. It is pounding into me, and the Lord is causing me to understand what it means to follow him closer, to become more like Christ. And the Bible tells us that the purpose of this life of faith is to be shaped to look more like Jesus. If you've ever wondered why, when you choose to follow Jesus, you are not immediately zapped and taken up into your eternal inheritance in heaven, it is so that throughout the remainder of your life, you can be formed, conformed, and shaped to look more like Jesus. Now, for me, that's on an anvil. For you, that may be a softer metaphor. The Lord subtly makes you aware of things, and you're like, okay, this is what he's shaping. This is what he's doing in my life. But let me tell you what hardship, trials, loneliness, isolation. You're like, Lord, what are you doing? As he shapes and molds you through that thing to trust him more, to become dependent on him more. Let me tell you what this is doing. This is shaping your character. This is shaping your character, and the Bible tells us this. The Bible tells us that afflictions produce endurance and endurance produces character and character produces or your translation might say yields hope the guaranteed certainty that what we're going through and what's happening is not it's not crazy it's not for nothing there's a purpose in this we start to understand the why so that we look more like Jesus is it possible that anybody facing anything in this room or in the year ahead the Lord has allowed it he guards us from within and it is my personal theological conviction that the Lord will not allow anything to come into your life unless it can shape you to look more like him. But he won't allow it to steal your inheritance. And he won't allow it to steal your eternal destiny. And he floods your heart with joy and confidence of knowing there's something at work right now in this life. And that's what Peter told the church. Look at verse 7. Actually, verse 6. I actually hate this verse. Is it okay to say that? Can I say that? You rejoice in this. Oh, my word. Like, gross. You rejoice in this hardship. Even though for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. You rejoice in the goodness of what God is doing, even though, oh, this is not comfortable. You suffer grief for various trials. Why? Because it is shaping your proven character of your faith, which is more valuable than gold. Even gold will be destroyed. But guess what? Your character in Christ is how you will be known. So many of us are concerned that what we're going through will define us in this life. I don't know if there's anybody in the room, maybe it's not sickness or illness, you made a mistake and you're afraid that mistake will define you forever. Anybody in here feels that way? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. You're like, that is so uncool of him to do that. Don't raise your hand. But if you are in Christ and you choose to say, Lord, rework this for your purposes, 
rework this for your purposes. And I, I know men and women who, who have had an experience like that and said, this is awful, but Lord Jesus, reshape this in my life. Form your character in me. And one of the things that God does is when he looks at us and he sees the character of Christ in us, it pleases him and he becomes proud of us. And the Bible says right here in verse 7, the proven character of your faith, which is more valuable than gold, will result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus, when you meet Jesus. And normally when we see praise, honor, and glory, we think that's like ascribed to Jesus. Praise, honor, and glory. That's what we're going to give to Jesus. That's true. That's true. That's what we do on Sunday mornings. We praise God. We give him the honor and the right place in our lives that he deserves. But this is one of the places in the Bible where praise, honor, and glory is ascribed to Christians. Just hang with me. Praise, honor, and glory is communicated and given to followers of Jesus. That as your character is shaped through good times, through bad times, through difficult times, just like these people were in Asia, as the Lord shapes your character and you become more like Christ, he looks at you and he is pleased and he is filled with joy and he gives you glory and honor for looking more and more like Jesus, which means that is how you will be known for all eternity, your character in Christ. And whatever you face or whatever you do or whatever you go through in this life, it will not define you or have the last say about you because you have a God named Jesus who is alive. He is living hope. And the certainty is he will look at you, see himself in you, and say, well done. Well done. That's what hope is. Hope is the certainty that no matter what we face or what we experience, it will not destroy what God has in store for us. And it will not have the last say about who you are. It doesn't get to define you or label you. Only Jesus is the one who has that power and authority. And he says, if you belong to me, then you are mine. And we've been in this series all December talking about how the Lord is pleased to commune and to be with us. And to be in relationship with us. Hope is the confidence. It is a guaranteed certainty through the finished work of Jesus and his resurrection, living Christ. He didn't just die for us, but he lives for us. It is the guaranteed certainty that you can have confidence in the way you live, in the way you pursue what God has called you to do. And that's what Christmas is all about. That is what Advent is all about. That is what Christmas is all about. It is about living hope. And so I don't know if you're going to read the the biblical narrative of Jesus' birth like Roger did earlier or maybe in one of the other gospel accounts when you gather around the tree. But as a woman or man, you, you may want to open up your Bible to 1 Peter. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you may want to read verses 3 through 9 and be reminded that because of Christ and your faith in him, this is you. This is you. He's at work in your life to redeem, to restore, to give you hope that is guaranteed and a certainty that not only will be a future reality, but that gives you confidence and joy and excitement about being alive and living today, right now. That's what Christmas is about. Hope, as the world defines it, is something that we long for, but we're not really sure it can be attained. Hope, as God describes it, is guaranteed in the person of Jesus, that you can have confidence, you can have joy, and as we lit this candle this morning to remind us, you can have peace because of who God is in the person of Jesus and what he's done for you. That's what Christmas is all about. And I pray that that's the gift that you celebrate or maybe receive for the first time ever this season. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a moment?